This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Today I want to share a very simple, simple message. It's probably super simple. I hope uh, so simple that you may actually go out of here and remember it. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, but I've called it each one reach one. Um, because simply that's what God has called us to do. And so before we dive into the message this morning, would you uh, pray with me and let's just um, take a moment. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you uh, that we can declare that we believe in you, that we believe in such an awesome God who loves us so much that you died for us. You came, you walked this earth, and you spent time with people because you love people. And so this morning, as we dive into your word, I pray, God, that you would challenge us, stretch us, and help us see how, just how much you love this world. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as a church family, if you've been around for any length of time, you know that we love uh, to remember those outside our four walls. And if I can say one thing about being a portable church, I think it's a great thing. Because if we've realized one thing, it's not that we go to church, but we are the church, right? And if I got to do it all over again, I would start portable again because I think it creates in us a mindset that church is not a building. Church is not where we go and do our little Sunday morning thing. But church is being the church every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday is just a time to get together with our church family like a big family reunion. Celebrate that God is awesome, that God is real. We support one another. We spend some time to fellowship with one another. And then we go out and we can be the church again the following week. And, and as you, if you have been around, you know that we love uh, doing community work. We love being able to take the message of love, the message of forgiveness and redemption and compassion outside these walls and outside of, of our own little gathering. And, and uh, we have created several opportunities for our church to get involved because we believe that we shouldn't just be people of faith that come on a Sunday morning and we say, God is awesome, God is great, and, and now I'm going to go home, eat my Sunday afternoon chicken meal at Swish LA, and then uh, <laughs> none of you ever go there. Okay, it's called Christian chicken in our circles, but um, Swish LA must be really sanctified after all of us just head there. Um, but anyhow, we believe that we also need to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to our community. And so some of the things that I know Lisa already mentioned, but I just want to, again, point out some of these opportunities and why we do them. For those of you who don't know, over this summer, we've done something called an extreme makeover. Lisa alluded to it. We have literally taken what used to be the former library of Rideau Heights Public School, and we have literally gutted it, transformed it. Uh, I took a little sneak peek, Karen. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I was up there at the end of the week, and, and uh, the principal, who has not yet seen it, unlocked the door like this. All right, you can go look. Ah, I want to see it so bad. But it's looking awesome. We're nearing the end of completion. Uh, but if I can say one thing, I've been in there off and on throughout the summer. And can I say this, that every time we've been in there, it's touching people. Uh, you would not believe some of the conversations I've had with people as a result because people are saying, 
Who are these people that are just so giving, so loving, so friendly, so genuine, and they just keep coming? <laughs> and it has touched people beyond what you can ever imagine. I even, I was at, at uh, um, Old Navy, whatever that store is called, uh, just shopping back to school stuff with my kids. And I ran into, I guess he must be a staff member, and he recognized me, and he comes up and he goes, You! you guys are doing awesome. And I'm like, where is he from? Where have I met him? Who is this guy? Uh, and he's like, just the work at the school. is I'm like, Rito Heist. yes, yes, of course, right? <laughs> Good to see you again, sir. <laughs> um, but he was like, I just can't believe what you guys are doing. And he, he basically said, we are so touched. We don't even know what to say. And the principal over and over again has just said, I, I don't even know what to say. And so please know that every minute that has been spent there, especially some of you who have spent lots of minutes in there, know that it's, it's worth it. Um, that's one of the opportunities. We're doing the back-to-school bash. And again, we don't always get to hear these stories, but um, last year I was just out at the park uh, with my kids, and this girl came running up to me. She goes, you're the one! You're the one! And again, you know how you're like, what did I do? <laughs> you're the one could be a good thing or a really bad thing. She goes, you're the guys, you're the guys that did the haircuts, right? And I said, oh, oh, at Riddle Heights Public School. She goes, yeah. So this girl, and I rem- as soon as she said it, I immediately remembered her from a year earlier. We had, uh, she had come and attended this, uh, this back-to-school bash with her mom. And her hair was, uh, let's say, beyond help. And her mom kept saying, don't go in and bother the hairdressers with your hair because it's just, it's, it's too difficult. And I kept saying, just go in there. They're going to help you, right? So long story short, she goes in there. And uh, it took 45 minutes to untangle her hair. And then they cut it. And then on top of that, they did this beautiful updo. And I was just outside. And all of a sudden, from kind of, you know, those hockey tackles, the illegal ones from behind? All of a sudden, I'm like, boom, almost knocked over. And these girls come flying out. And she goes, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I feel so beautiful. And what had happened is it didn't just transform her outer, outer appearance, but it did something in her heart. And that was the same girl that a year later I ran into at a park. And she's like, you're the ones that come to our school year after year just to love on us and just to care for us. And so know when you're maybe taking a couple of hours off work or when you're helping do some administrative stuff or whatever capacity or, or give to these projects, know that it's actually changing lives. And those are the ways that we try to make ourselves available to help our community around us. This Lego movie, what a great way. I mean, who's going to say no to the Lego movie? Hello. A great way to invite people. And then we thought, what a great way to then say, hey, why don't you come back tomorrow morning? We're going to have a big church barbecue the next day. What a great way to say, you know what, we're normal people. We have fun in church. I was just having this conversation with someone the other day who's completely on church. And I said, and they were saying how church is so boring and so stiff. And I said, ooh. Well, you clearly need to come visit our church <laughs> because we, we have a lot of fun. And, and she actually is coming um, and on that day. And, uh, and she was like, really, you, you have fun? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> and I said, we, we laugh. She goes, no, 
you laugh in church? I go, yeah, we belly laugh. Like, we have a lot of fun. And it's not fun for fun's expense, but when you have found the answer, when you can enjoy life, and when you can know that God is good, and I know uh, Spoke spoke amazingly uh, last week about joy and how we can have joy in our lives because we have a God who has set us free from our past. We have a God who has taken us and transformed us from the bondage that we once were in, and now we're set free. So how can we not rejoice? How can we not share those great news to those around us? Uh, we have a Holy Cross initiative starting up. Uh, the youth are going to go into Holy Cross uh, just down the road. I'm losing my sense of direction. Over there. And what an awesome opportunity for our people to go in and just be Jesus right where people are. I'm telling you, it's, I am so excited about this new season we're going into because I believe that we're going to see a harvest of people coming in and get to know the Jesus that is real, the Jesus that loves them, the Jesus that can transform a life. So get ready. Can you say that with me? Get ready. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now that we need to get ready for what God has in store because when, when God can get a hold of people that are willing There's no stopping to what he can do. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. (laughs) Um, So it's great to work together to reach our community together because how many know that you catch more fish with a net than you do with a rod? Right? And so it's great. All we try to do is just create these opportunities for people to be able to get involved and, and be able to say, hey, why don't you come to this great event or be part of it in some small way? But how many also know that we also, as individuals, have a personal responsibility to share our faith in Jesus to those around us? Um, And that's why I wanted to entitle the message today, Each One, Reach One. Can you imagine, I'm not a great mathematician, but let's say that only 50 of us in here today reached someone with a message of Jesus Christ in the next 6 to 12 months. And let's say that out of 50, say half of them responded, came and stayed. That's 25 more. And then let's take those 25 new people, because new people are always excited to share their faith, and let's add those other 50 people, and let's see now that, you know, some other people got excited because they saw that it worked. So let's add 25 more. So now 100 people go out and reach 100 people. Each one reach one. Can you see where this is going? Sometimes we think that it's so far-fetched and that it's out there, and that's the, the work for those people that go and preach and teach and do all that stuff. But Jesus has called each one to reach one. And if we all do, we can see lives transformed and changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And there's no gym that's going to contain enough or be big enough to contain the amount of people that will come in. And it's not church growth for church growth's sake. But when we see people come and meet with Jesus, it's about transformed lives. It's about changed lives. It's about people going from darkness to light, from sadness to joy, from depression to freedom. And that is the Jesus that we serve. He's real. And he wants us to reach someone with that message. Um, Church statistics done by the Institute uh, for American Church Growth polled 14,000 Christians from all sorts of denominations. And I just want to show you these results because they're quite, quite neat. Um, so when they did this, they realized that uh, only 1% to 2% came to faith because of a special need they had that was met. 
um, walk-ins, as in I walked by to church and I just walked in and, you know, I ended up meeting Jesus and stayed. It was 2 to 3%. Uh, pastor, 5 to 6% were led to Christ by a pastor. Uh, different programs or outreaches like that, 2 to 3%. Sunday school is 4 to 5%. Crusades, like big meetings, was 0.5% actually came and stayed in a relationship with Christ because of that. A home visit from someone was 1 to 2%. And get this, 75 to 90% were brought to faith through a friend or family that simply had the courage to share Jesus and share their faith with them. And the same statistics actually say that most people, um, the same company said that they did another poll to the unchurched, and they said that most of them actually said they would come to church if they were just invited. Doesn't that say something? Sometimes we just assume that people don't want to come, so we don't invite them, right? But this, uh, uh, this poll, they said that 96% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they were just invited. 96%. That's a pretty high rate. Uh, another poll from the same organization showed that only 25% of active churchgoers actually invite someone to church in the course of a year. And out of that, only 2% were non-Christians that they invited. could I say that we need the message each one reach one? <laughs> because the reality is that the most effective way of evangelism and sharing Christ is the idea of everyone has someone that you can speak to, someone that you can reach. Can you imagine how many lives would be changed if, you just, if we all, each and every one of us, constantly kept that uh, ready to share Jesus? Because you have a sphere of influence. You have a group of people that only you know that only you come in contact with that I don't know. And Ryan knows people that Lindsay doesn't know, and Lindsay knows people that he doesn't know. And she's in, in this world over here, and she comes in contact with people that Mark doesn't come in contact with, but he has a whole other group of people that he comes in contact with, and so on and so forth. And so when each of us realize that we have been called to be salt and light, we have been called to literally be carriers of the good news to wherever we go, wherever we are. And if we start realizing that God can use you, God can use you. And sometimes we think we don't have enough biblical knowledge. But can I tell you, if you have Jesus in your heart, he's more than enough. You have enough. Can you say, I have enough? Can you say with me, I can share Jesus? Awesome. Now I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> That's great. I should have given you those, uh, that, that before I told you to. Anyhow, um, but what we need to do is we need to be open and realize that God wants to use you. Here at Impact Church, we simplify our vision down to this. Live like Jesus and love like Jesus. In short, we say live love. And you'll hear it all the time because that's really what we think that God has called us to do is to live like Jesus, love like Jesus. Think about this in a world of stress, multitasking business, and overcommitting to all sorts of stuff. Jesus simply calls us to do one thing and to do it well, to live like him and to love like him. It's that simple. It was actually in Antioch that the Christians were first called Christians. You can read about it in, in Acts chapter 11. But there was this group of believers, and they all followed Christ. And for those of you who don't know, Christ actually means anointed one. 
And so there was this whole group of people, and, and Jesus said that the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. So there's this whole group of people in Antioch, and they just keep reaching their community. They keep loving on each other. They sell everything and take care of one another and, and reach people with this message of love and forgiveness. And, and so they're like, what do we call these people? They're like little Christians, Christians. And literally, it says in Acts chapter 11 that the, the Christians were first called Christians in Antioch because Christ means anointed one, and Christian actually just means little anointed one. And so literally what we are called to be is little anointed ones. We're called to be little Christs in our community. And when we are, people will look at us and go, well, you must follow that Christ. You must be a Christian. Because they see the love of Jesus in us and filtering through us to those around us. See, Jesus lived a simple yet very full life. Think about this. He invested himself into people, not into things. He loved the unlovable. He touched the untouchable. He changed his plans in a moment if it meant helping someone. He wasn't afraid of what people would think of him, and he chose to love even his worst enemies. We need to live like Jesus and love like Jesus. See, sometimes we look at people that have a special gift of evangelism or speaking or whatever we think, and we want to leave it up to them to bring the message of Christ and the love of Jesus to the world. But can I say this, that God has called every one of us to be a little anointed one, a little Christian, a little replica of Jesus. God wants us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to this community. And the Bible even says that we are like a sweet fragrance to the world. And if you think about this, it's awesome. He has entrusted us with what he loves the most. He has entrusted us with humanity. And we get to go out and show them that we have the answer to a broken world. So today I want to share just three very, very simple things that I think can help us see the opportunities that God wants to give us. The three things are this. We need to be ready. We need to be available. And we need to be willing. Amen. I'm done. No. <laughs> we, we need to be ready, we need to be available, and we need to be willing. So I want to share with you just three different people from the New Testament church and just a couple of truths I want to pull out from what, they, uh, what we can learn from them in these three areas. So key number one, be ready. Everyone say, be ready. Good. I just want to make sure you're still with me. Um, so I want to talk to you about Paul, the apostle. When he came... Um, First, when he had become a Christian, he started uh, preaching everywhere, and everyone hated him because he used to be one that persecuted Christians, and now he became a Christian, and he unashamedly declared Jesus and the message of his love everywhere, including in the synagogues. And they're like, Paul, like, we, we don't know if that's a good idea. And he's like, I'm sharing Jesus wherever I go. So when we're jumping into his story now, this is in Acts chapter 26. He's actually been imprisoned because of his faith. And so the Jews keep bringing all sorts of accusations against him. They keep telling him, uh, telling the leaders of their day that he's done all these awful things and that he's worthy of death. And so he is actually imprisoned awaiting uh, the next judge that's going to give him his judgment. And they're trying to get him condemned to death. And the leaders are a little confused because they're saying, it doesn't seem to us like he's done something worthy of death, but okay, we'll hear him. So at this point, then we're jumping into the story in Acts chapter 26. King Agrippa has come into town, and he's coming in all, his, in all his greatness and all this, and so all of a sudden, Paul finds himself before King Agrippa, who, was, who had a lot of authority in that day. And let's see what happened in chapter 26, verse 1 to 3. Then Agrippa, 
said to Paul, now up until this point, just to give you the context, for the most part, Paul hasn't been allowed to speak very much. It's only been accusations against him, and he's done his best to defend himself, but, but they're not letting him speak a whole lot. So all of a sudden, he's before this, this great king, and first thing that happens is that King Agrippa actually turns to him and says, Paul, you're permitted to speak for yourself. Talk about needing to be ready. And so let's see what happens. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I'm accused by the Jews, especially because you're an expert in all custom and questions which have to do with these Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. In other words, Paul was ready. When the opportunity came, he, was, he must have premeditated this moment. I'm just waiting for the moment that someone can tell me that I have the right to speak. So all of a sudden, in this setting, which was not a very likely one, Agrippa says, okay, go ahead and speak. And he's like, whoa, <laughs> okay, now be patient with me. Because then if you read the rest of chapter 26, out comes this whole story about how he used to persecute the Christians. And then he met Jesus on the road. And then it, Jesus transformed his life. And then he starts preaching about Jesus to everyone that will listen to him and everyone that won't listen to. Because he just loves to talk about Jesus. And so in this moment, think about it. You are standing before a very high authority that has the right in a split second to condemn you to death. How many of us would have been like, oh, well, you know, I just, uh, I love Jesus. <laughs> Yet he was ready in that moment, and he actually laid out his whole story. So much so that at the end of his story, King Agrippa actually turns to him and says, you've almost convinced me to become a Christian. Paul is like, yeah. And then, you know, again, Paul is pretty, pretty bold because instead of going, oh, well, that's good, he goes, oh, that's awesome. And I hope that you and everyone else in this room actually will become a Christian too. See, he was ready. And can I say that we need to, like Paul, be ready whenever the opportunity comes because we never know when that time is going to come that we can actually uh, be able to share Jesus with someone. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit in that moment will actually help us know what to say. But can I say this? Sometimes we assume that people aren't interested in God. So we're not ready because we don't think they want to listen. So many times we miss opportunities because we just assume that they won't want to hear. But can I say this? Most people are actually very interested in God. Just look at the movie titles lately. People want the supernatural. People don't want their own life to be the be-all and end-all. They want to believe in something higher. They want to believe in something that's greater. And we have that answer. So we need to be ready whenever the opportunity arises to say, I have the answer. I know how my life was before I met Jesus. And I can tell you what has happened in my life, what he set me free of, the relationships that he restored, the forgiveness that I felt, the peace that I now have. And can I tell you about it? See, God wants us to be ready. See, if I can say it like this, I think that most people are interested in hearing about God. They're just not so interested in religion. But that's where we can come and show them that it is not about religion. It is not about duty. It is about having a relationship with a living God, with Jesus Christ who loved us and came and gave his life for us. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word and be ready in and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. We need to be ready. And I think this talks about being ready to speak 
of our faith. I remember years ago, I, I ended up in this conversation with a guy I'd never met him before. We were just having a loose conversation. And uh, long story short, I ended up, he had all sorts of questions about God. And so I ended up just sharing with him and, and sharing about how real Jesus is and how alive God is and how, how much he wants to be involved in our lives. And I still remember at the tail end of that conversation, this guy was probably in his mid-30s. He turned to me and he said, if this is true, if, if all what you're saying is true, and if there is a real God, why hasn't anyone told me about this before? And I thought, huh, how sad. He's lived for 30-something years. Because most people probably, all of us at times, assume that he wouldn't want to hear. But we need to be ready. Because whenever God wants to give us an opportunity, he can and he will. Um, they actually, they tried to silence the apostles in the early church. They even, they imprisoned them, they beat them up, they tortured them, they did all sorts of things. But at the end, they came back and they said, we cannot but speak of the things that we have seen and heard because of what God has done in us. See, God wants us to be ready and have the conviction that he wants to use you. He wants to use you in your sphere of influence because there's people that need to hear your story. We are real people, we live in a real world, and we serve a real God. And that's what people need to hear. So when that moment comes, be ready to speak. Number two, key number two, be available. Uh, I want to share with you the story of Philip in the New Testament. So let's think about this. When we read the, the Bible, we read about how all these awesome stories happen, and we're like, oh, well, that's cool. But think about it, that they had actually never experienced any of this before. So this was all new to them, and they had to just trust God in every moment. So Philip is just, we don't know what he was doing, going around his business, doing his thing. And all of a sudden, um, let's read in Acts chapter 8 what happens. It's a bit of a long passage, but I'm going to shorten up a little bit for you. From Acts 8, 26 uh, through to 40. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Well, hello, that's awesome. (laughs) I'd love that. Uh, So we can be available to God and he can have someone speak to you like that. And the, the angel said to Philip, arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And then skipping down to verse 35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture from Isaiah, he preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and that both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities and came to Caesarea. That's an awesome day. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> I'd love to, to experience that kind of stuff. And do you know that we can? We can experience that kind of stuff if we are ready and if we are available. God wants to use us. That's a good day. 
Um, and if I can say this, God is not so much using or looking for your ability as he is your availability. God is just looking to see if you're available because all that other stuff, feeling like you're able to, he'll work that out. He'll speak through you. He'll speak to you in that moment. But think about this. Philip was instructed to go out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if you've seen a, a um, picture of what it's like between Jerusalem and Gaza, but it is plain desert. There's nothing there. And think about it, the angel didn't tell Philip, go into the desert because you're going to meet a man there who's going to accept Jesus and you're going to baptize him. That would have been awesome. But he didn't. He just said, go into the desert. Can you imagine being Philip like, so, yeah, chugging along, Lord. So I'm here. (laughs) And there's some sand and there's some more sand and there's a rock and there's more sand and now what? And then all of a sudden, this chariot comes driving up. And I think he started getting excited, going, okay, uh, okay, is this, is this it? Right? And all of a sudden, Jesus says to him, go, go talk to him. So it says, now Philip runs up to the chariot. I would too if I was in the desert and saw anybody. Uh, but he literally runs up to the chariot. And it's really interesting to see what Philip does in this moment. Because what he does is he listens. See, I think when we're available so many times, we just need to listen. What are people around you saying? Many times people just drop little hints in their conversation because they're actually seeking the answer. And if we just, like Philip, listen to what's going on around us, listen to what people are saying, he's just listening in it, and then he's taking this opportunity. He says, hey, do you know what you're, uh, do you know what you're reading? Do you know who that's talking about? And he's like, well, no, I don't. And so then he jumps on this awesome opportunity, and not only does he get to share Jesus, but he actually gets to baptize him, and then he gets caught up by the Spirit, and God supernaturally you know, brings him somewhere else so that he can pre- keep preaching the gospel and keep sharing Jesus. That's an awesome life. Like, hello, maybe I'm weird. I think that would be pretty awesome, right? But what God is looking for is just that uh, moment where we can be available, where we can listen in and say, okay, What is it that you're seeking? Can I talk with you? You know, a lot of people are really open when we're available for them, available to listen to their story. Think about this. God knows every single person, and he knows every detail of everyone's life. So he wants to use you to divinely orchestrate you so that when that person is ready, which you don't know, but he knows, you can be there ready and available and he can open up an opportunity for you to share about the love and forgiveness of Jesus we don't have to come up with the opportunities God can do that we just have to be available for when he does Isaiah 50 verse 4 says the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary He awakens me morning by morning, and he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. That Hebrew word hear means to hear or to listen with attention or interest. Sometimes that's all we need to do. We need to hear and listen to people where they're at because it can open some amazing doors. I remember being at Walmart uh, a little while ago, and I just went up to the customer service desk. I don't know what I was doing, returning something or 
you know, and, and all of a sudden, I don't even know how we slipped into this conversation, but the, the customer service representative just started sharing about her life. And I was on, under, on the clock that day, so I'm like, do I stay or do I, yeah, yeah, I stay. And I think in that moment, God's like, be available, <laughs> listen in. And what started with me returning something ended up with this awesome conversation with this beautiful lady. And at the end, she's literally hanging over the counter, hugging me and going, I don't know why I'm sharing all this with you, but that was just so awesome and I just needed this. But you know, sometimes we think it's so far-fetched, but we just need to be available. And the opportunities are there. And we just need to let God show us when they are. I had another friend that was um, very lonely. No one befriended her. She was not necessarily very likable, but I remember just listening to her hour after hour when she just talked and talked and talked and talked about everything that she went through. And I was just kind of always there. And I shared when I could, and other times I just listened. But in the end, there came a moment where she came to me and she said, you know, you've listened to me all these hours, and all I need is, I need what you have. You just seem to have such peace. And I'm like, awesome, here's the open door. And that day, she came to Christ. And it was an awesome opportunity. We just need to be available. Key number three, we need to be willing. So when we're ready, when we're available, and when we're willing, then God can use us. I want to just take a quick look at the story of Ananias. He was one of the early disciples, and he's going around minding his business. This is in the early church, so when the church had first started, So Saul is out on this parade, Saul that later became Paul. But at this moment, Saul was still Saul, and he was out there killing Christians, dragging them off to prison, torturing them, and killing a lot of them. And so he's on on this parade, just going and trying to find any Christian uh, so that he can capture them and kill them. So in the midst of that, let's see what happens in in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus called Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision... Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and require at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Remember, this was before the time of Facebook. And there was no Instagram, so there was no picture of Saul having this heavenly vision yet. Right? That was not out there on social media. So no one really knew what had happened to Saul. So... Jesus speaks to Ananias and says, go and find Saul of Tarsus. And he's like, ah, I think you've got the wrong guy. (laughs) So he responds and he says, Ananias answered, Lord, um, oh, sorry, it goes on to say, and in a vision, he has seen, Paul has seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he may receive his sight. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear the name, bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying in his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Now that's also a good day. Can you imagine 
though, how Ananias must have felt when Jesus said, go talk to Saul of Tarsus? Like, if we're being real, he didn't know about this transformation yet. So he's like, ah, you're telling me to commit suicide? (laughs) You're telling me to go to that guy that's killing everyone? Can you imagine the fear that must have gripped him at first? So the first thing he does is he tries to argue with God. Um, You know, that guy, he's not so nice. And God's kind of like, I didn't hear you. (laughs) But what you need to do is you need to go because I've chosen him. So immediately Ananias, instead of being gripped by his own fear, he chooses to overcome his fear and obey the words of Jesus. And what I think is so neat, if you look in verse 17, when he comes into that house, he could have come intimidated like, um, excuse me, (laughs) I think most of us would have come in like, "Uh, Saul, has anything strange happened to you lately? Any unusual experiences any change of heart or change of mind, right? That's how many people, many of us would have come in like that, right? Instead, he walks in boldly because he knows that if God said, then I just need to be willing. And he goes in and listen what he calls him, the guy that's killing all the Christians, Brother Saul. He's already embraced him into the family of God before he's even known if he actually made a commitment. Isn't that pretty awesome? So he sees what God sees. I think when we are available and when we are willing, then we start to see what Jesus sees. We start to see people the way Jesus sees them. And he can help us overcome our own fear because Jesus loves people. And when we realize just how much he loves people and how passionate he is for people, think about all the stories in the New Testament that says that he would drop everything that he has in order to run after the one that's missing. He loves the people at your work, even the unlovable. He loves the people that are in your school, even those who are arrogant and full of themselves. He loves those people. And there may be a moment, just like with Ananias, that he says to you, Christine, go and speak a word in season to this person. And if you're willing, you never know what will happen. Just think about it. You never know who you're speaking to and what call of God is on that person's life. So we need to be willing. And can I just say this too? We need to love people just to love them not to make them feel like we're, they're our project. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, some Christians are good at like, making people feel like they're their little project. But when people feel and know that you genuinely care about them, that you genuinely love them, the open doors that we have at Rita Hoyts Public School now are awesome because for six years straight now, we have come in there and we have said, we love you guys. We remember you. We care about you. And you know what those kids have said to the principal? Those guys from that church, they, they just care about us. They, ju- they just love us. And so now we have an open door and say, do you know why? Because there's a God who loves you. And now the door is wide open because we faithfully just kept coming back and letting them know that we love them, not because we want something from them, not because we want them to be our project, but because we genuinely want to show the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ to them. It's amazing what God can do when we are willing to lay aside our own agenda to overcome our fears and our hesitations. So my conclusion is this. If we are willing, sorry, if we are ready, available, and willing, 
then my conclusion is that sometimes we just need to be patient. Like being a Leafs fan. It takes a lot of patience. I had to get it in there somehow, but he left the room. It's too bad. Um, <laughs> maybe he knew it was coming. No, he's... Um, but sometimes we want to sow the seed, water the plant, grow the plant, reap the harvest all in one conversation. But we need to realize that sometimes all we're doing in our conversations and as we're interacting with people is we're bringing them one step closer to faith in Jesus. So can I say this? It's okay to be patient and not ashamed to share all at the same time because God is always working behind the scenes. Remember, he's the one that passionately loves people. So he's always working in people's lives. And he is waiting for that moment. He's working on them. And he's using you and me and the people that God has placed around those people to take them one step closer, one step closer, one step closer, and one step closer. So that when that moment comes, then we need to be what? We need to be ready. We need to be available. And we need to be willing. Because that moment will come when it's time. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6 to 7 says, I planted, it's Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. I had a friend years ago, we used to have horses together, and you know, we spent all this time together. She was very much a non-Christian when we met. And for years on end, I thought, I just need to live like Jesus. I just need to love her like Jesus would, even though she wasn't always so lovable. Other times we had a great time. But it took years and then all of a sudden, she came to me and she said, okay, okay, so now I've seen for years, ah, you have something that I don't. So can I have it? And I'm like, ah, oh. I actually thought she was joking at first. So I almost dismissed her because she had for so many years not shown any interest, right? But she's like, no, really. And so that day I led her to Christ and I said, well, maybe you should tell someone about it. The Bible says, you know, you should tell people about your salvation. So that was that night I... I had a sleepover. By the next morning, by the time I woke up, she had called all her friends and all her relatives and told them about her new decision and her newfound love for Jesus. And now she's a leader in a house and, uh, and has a beautiful family. But, you know, we just need to be ready for that moment. As many of you know, and I've asked Kendra for, uh, for permission to share this story, but as many of you know, Kendra is today uh, doing the celebration of life for her mother. That's why a few people had to slip out to to drive up and be there with her. Uh, but Kendra has lost her dad and then her mom all within a year and a half. Um, so if you think of her, please pray for her, send her an encouraging note. Um, see if there's anything we can do as a church family to support her. But today is the day that she is, you know, laying her mom to rest. And uh, her mom had cancer, for those of you who don't know. And uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, they did surgery, and things went well. She was in complete remission, and things were going well. In the midst of that, her dad died. And so they were working through that process. And then about six weeks ago now, or seven weeks ago, whatever my timing is, um, they found out that the cancer had come back in Kendra's mom. Now, a few weeks before her dad passed away, Kendra had the awesome opportunity to lead him into a personal relationship with Christ. And he, he died knowing Jesus. And he had such peace in his life. So about seven weeks ago, or whatever, however long ago it was, Kendra was with her mom, found out that the cancer had returned. And they said, you have three to six months to live. Five weeks later, she breathed her last. It was very quick, and it was very aggressive. And about 
three weeks ago, I think it was four weeks ago, Kendra was here in church on a Sunday morning. And she felt so compelled to say, you know what, my mom is at the end. We don't know. This could be a day, it could be a week, it could be a month. But she needs to have peace in her life. She needs to know Jesus. And as Kendra has shared, her mom was very private, very hard. But a couple weeks ago, Kendra literally got in her car after church and she drove to her mom, sat down at her bedside. And she said, Kendra said, that she knew, she felt compelled by Jesus that this was her moment. And that God in that moment was asking her to be ready, to be available, and to be willing to overcome her own fears. Because how many know sometimes it's the hardest to share Jesus with those closest to us? Especially when we've tried for a long time. But she said she knew something had shifted. As she was driving now, she was praying, and she said, God, I know this is my moment. I know this is a now moment that you have called me to. And she sat down with her mom, who had been so against it and so hard. And in that moment, she said, Mom, you need to be ready. And just like an open book, her mom said, I need Jesus. And about two weeks ago, Kendra led her mom to a relationship with Jesus. And the celebration they're having at one o'clock today is a very different closure than it could have been. But Kendra, in that moment, knew that this is the moment that, God, you're calling me to overcome my own fear, to overcome my own hesitation, to overcome the, the fact that I've talked to her so many times before and she's been so close to it. And she said, this is the moment, Lord, and I'm here, I'm available, and I'm willing. And today, at 1 o'clock, they're celebrating the fact that Kendra's mom is in glory with Jesus today because of that moment. And I want to end with a quote by Bobby Houston that has always stuck with me. It says this, We have one moment, one opportunity to live life here on earth, and then an eternity to marvel at the opportunity we were given. What we do in life echoes for all eternity. Can I say today that God is just looking for us to be ready, to be available, and to be willing. And if we are, then each one can reach one. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.